doms and subs, masters, mistresses and slaves, owners and pets, daddies, mommies and littles, primals and prey, switches, heathens, kinksters and deviants, welcome to Legion After Dark. Hello and welcome to Legion After Dark. I'm your host, Lady M, and we have a very special episode on right now. This time, I'm not actually reviewing a movie. I am talking to Master M. Hatter and Cheshire from MMH Rope, and they're here to talk to us about Shibari and rope bondage and all the fun things that we could honestly talk for days about so welcome thank you and good to be with you hi nice to see you we did try this once before um (laughs) we recorded an entire episode it was meant to be episode three and i lost the audio for it so uh we will not have that problem this time yeah, my laptop's been given a good flogging. So why don't you tell us a bit about sort of where you, where you got your start? Oh, can I? Can I well, how early? How early are you yeah, getting like, Okay, so I I remember once upon a time um, I was at home and just finished work and Sarah phoned me up and he said, "I've had the most amazing. I've I've made rope." I'm like, "You what? You made rope? How did you make rope?" Oh, <laughs> go way back further when. Really? So we gotta go back into the darkness. Good grief! That's how we met. Well, before that, even we gotta go back to rope. Okay. I mean, I was I was fifteen, sixteen with a little Yashika camera, and <laughs> I rather fancied myself as a photographer, or more to the point, I rather fancied taking photos of pretty girls. And <laughs> uh, I tied this girl up to a chair to do kind of a kidnap photo. I, you know, no idea what I was doing at all. Uh, and I looked at it through my camera and it wasn't quite right. And I pushed the chair over. And there I was, laying on the floor, tied to a chair, and something just turned on inside me and never went out. And so I did photos of people tied up and I did that for years on and off and I got into my first and I was kind of involved in some of the early MSN chat rooms and that kind of stuff oh god I remember those (laughs) and was kind of playing all the games and then kind of many moons later I was at the clubs and I was been tying a fair bit by then and was doing and was kind of the rope person and then I left the scene for four or five years because I went to, I, I was involved in the church and I was trying to be a priest and all, a whole bunch of, whole bunch of stuff, a whole long story. Wow. Um, but when I came back to the scene, someone said to me, um, hey, you're the rope guy, aren't you? Could you teach some rope stuff? And I'd not picked up rope in about three years and was like, okay, um, <laughs> I need to kind of brush up, but sure. 
Um, that's the first time I really discovered Shibari as opposed to um, just tying people. And I decided to kind of dedicate myself to that for a year, but I would just stick with one style of rope and see where I got on. And that was kind of five or six years ago. So you, during that time, when I first bought rope, back then, before that I've been using some really rubber cotton. And then someone told me, oh, the thing you wanted this Hempex, it's really cheap stuff, it's superb, it, it looks really nice. And so I bought some of this and I kind of really saved up for it. It was, a, it was with birthday money that I yeah. bought it. And I bought it. And then having time with that for kind of three or four months, I discovered that that wasn't really the right thing to be using and that I needed jute. So I ordered some... I love jute. Yeah, I ordered my first set of jute and it stunk of petrol and people were saying, oh, just put it in the oven for a little bit and you can bake that off. So I did that and I burnt it, ruining it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he's really, oh my gosh, it smelled even worse then. And then people were saying, oh, you needed reinforced jute. So I ordered some more and I stuck it in the oven and of course it had reinforcements in, so that burnt. Oh God! <laughs> I then thought, right, I'll just buy some random jute off eBay. So I bought some kind of commercial jute, which really stank. And people said you boil it, so I boiled this stuff, and I boiled it, and I boiled it, and, it, and it still stung, and was terrible. Just destroyed the rope. Yeah. Oh. So I then ordered some rope from Moco over in America, and it was superb, beautiful it's rope. Yeah, and. I, I mean, a fortune for imports and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it but cost so much. It, 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 it was cost lovely. Like two and a half weeks of my salary. Mm. Oh my god! Yeah, the in, the the import like the taxation. Mm. The you know you save up, you buy import, and then all of a sudden you get this customs notice saying you've got to go and pay X amount to go and get it. And like, oh, oh my god! Okay. I've already paid the money for it. Um, yeah. I went to um, a summer fair. And they had one of these old rope making machines and they were making rope. And I said, can I have a go? And I made a piece of sizzle rope. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I can do this. Why, why don't we just make rope? This is easy. <laughs> this is going to be so much easier. Oh my gosh. So I brought... How wrong were we? <laughs> so I brought some yarn. Oh, that... Finding the yarn itself was a pain. Yeah, but, but oh, I bought some cheap yarn on weeks. eBay, which was which was fine. There was someone who was selling off some yarn, so I bought some yarn on eBay, some cheap yarn, and started experimenting. Imported it again. Started <laughs> making this rope from it, from the one reel of yarn. Yeah. And played around, and it took so many attempts to get a piece of rope I'd baby happy with. Oh, my God. And I thought, okay, I can do this. I need some more. And I tried to buy some more, and the guy was no longer selling it. So I'm like, okay, where do I now buy yarn from? <laughs> and we found a supplier eventually. Uh, everyone in in place of manufactured it wanted to charge, wanted to sell you a ton of yarn. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I don't want a ton of yarn. So I eventually. Where are we going to put a ton of yarn? <laughs> yeah. So I eventually found someone who would do a minimum order, sell it, who was selling on yarn from America, and he would do a minimum order for us of two thousand pounds, which we didn't have. So I sold. I at the time. I was um, a amateur musician. I was playing the harp, 
Um, and my, my grandmother had bought me a harps so that I could continue my studies. And harps are really very, very expensive. Yeah. I had to start a harp, which was um, £3,000. And so I sold my harp to start the business. Oh my god, did you get? Did you ever get a new harp? Have you replaced your harp? I haven't, in honesty. Oh. I, I actually just never went back to it. I think, oh. I think my life just became really busy after that. Mm. <laughs> but you there's have, a, I mean, there's, so, there's a shortage of harp players well, yeah. in the world. So that first lot of yarn, I mean, I think the first, it took us kind of making 60 or 70 ropes before we were happy with oh, the result. Least. And um, then thereafter, we were only happy with waiting. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it just built up from there, really, selling it to friends and then going, oh, we'll, we'll start selling it wider afield. And then with time, it's just expanded. And we now do, you know, we import yarn from Bangladesh, from China, from Romania. We're becoming a limited company this week. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I've got three books on BDSM yeah. out there. We've got a website which is now we're doing... Dedicated to tutorials. Tutorials for both Shibari and self-tie and bedroom bondage. So bondage we're kind of, you know... That's fantastic. So Would you like be sure and tell, say that website so um, www.mmhrope.com and there you find everything so at the bottom of it we've got a discord group where we've got this uh, little website where people can join the little rope community and discuss ties and do challenges and all that kind of thing we've also oh, fun yeah and we've got a link to the Instagram and we've got a link to the tutorials and to the shop and to our That's Tumblr right. and yeah it's all there yeah, we've got a lot. <laughs> but that is fantastic. I mean, I think we slut it about yeah, fairly hard, don't we? <laughs> about three or four, maybe five years now, we've been mm. tying. I mean, I've been tying every day. Oh, daily, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and kind of BDSM and. It is absolutely. There is not a day that goes past where nothing ropey particularly happens. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all fairly all-consuming right now mm. Absolutely. this is just growing and growing and we're getting more people kind of join our, our group um, every day and it, it's really inspiring and it just makes us kind of keep going really it's awesome I'm, I love it I love I love all of your stuff I encourage anyone with an interest in rope to uh, have a look at their website because oh, their stuff is fantastic it really is you can tell a lot of care goes into the products that you make. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of go, 2 a.m. finishing of the day, kind of. I mean, <laughs> for me... It's, with perfectionists. Yeah, and for me, there's two, there's two things. And something, something which has shifted the minutes apart. So first of all, I wanted to make sure that a new person didn't have the experience I had, that they could buy something off the shelf, if you like, um, mm. which would be right. And, yeah. and then the thing that has really developed over time is we started off with kind of the natural dupe ropes etc but with time we've kind of we now do the super soft bamboo bedroom bondage ropes and we do all the pastel ropes and we do all the kind of pretty oh. colours and kind of mermaid rope and care bear rope and my little pony rope and rope 
We... I love it. <laughs> rope for tying up your stuffies. Yeah, and rope, <laughs> rope, rope, rope to sing to littles. Yeah. You know, oh. and because so many people enjoy self-tying, and we kind of felt that that just, that that market, that that... that no one was really... No one was kind of there, there for those people. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at all... each other and going, okay, well, I did this. Okay, well, I, I tried that. And, oh, okay. And there was nothing really solid or concrete out there. And and it's how I got started. Um, when me and him uh, first met, he gave me a little piece of rope. Um, and I wasn't, um, at the time, I wasn't really permitted to see him very often. Um, I was married and... Yeah, so um, <laughs> we only saw each other maybe every kind of six weeks or so. Um, and that, so, just to clarify, Bear, that was you were permitted by your husband to see me every yes, six absolutely. weeks. That wasn't, wasn't a, a that wasn't a un, no unconsensual. It was no. just a very very tight balance. No, well, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely, and time limit as well. Polly is not cheating. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Um, so going back to what you said earlier about a switch went off, did you have one of those moments, Cheshire? A switch? Yeah, he was talking about earlier when he tied the girl to the chair oh. and pushed her over. It was like a switch went off inside of him that just never went away. Something yeah. clicks. I, yeah, and it's almost, this is a bit of rebellious in me. Um, I was seeing, kind of seeing a dom at the time. Um, and he wanted to show off to me all of his toys and he um, he came over to my car and he immaculately laid out all of his toys and and I just looked at this piece of rope that was all coiled up and I was like oh, rope? oh my gosh do you do rope? <laughs> yeah, I'd been on FetLife, I'd seen what was on KMP I'd seen all the pretty pictures I was like oh my gosh can can we do some rope? I'd love to do that and he's like no that's that's not for for people who are serious about BDSM. That's just for the Nancys who like to prance around and what? that they know what they're doing. Um, and that kind of wow it for me and him. Yeah, um, <laughs> I kind of lost respect for him after that. Um, and I got in. I I kind of that was my light bulb moment where I was like, actually, I really like rope. Um, and then you know, very shortly after, me and Sir started talking very shortly after that we started dating and yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah that was initially through rope wasn't it because I'd, I'd been doing lots of photo shoots and lots mm. of rope stuff all the rest of it and been sending chest and pictures here and, there, and she said she was doing some modelling and said hey I'd really like you to tie me up I'd really like to do a rope shoot together and it's like okay let's let's do some rope together and people approach rope for a whole bunch of different reasons and in different ways so there's the people who self-tying like the feeling of it and really enjoy that kind of self-care that can be involved with that as well as the fantasies that can go with that. Mm. And there's people who do it kind of as a sport and are very carefully kind of choreographing mm. things that they're doing. Um, and then there are people who are doing performances where they're carefully crafting and telling a story. Um, and I don't really, you know, my starting point isn't any of that. My starting point is domination and submission. And for me, rope is something that oozes with sexuality and it's about 
taking control and someone giving control and um, carving out a little moment of time where everything else stops and where you're able to completely give yourself over to someone in that moment. Um, You've been writing a lot of a lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm, currently, I'm currently working. Uh, the, the thing I'm currently working on is a is a little book of erotica, um, a little book of moments. Um, so not Snippets. not stories, but little little sections of um, thought and play and uh, all kind of haikus of erotica. The haiku of erotica. I love that. <laughs> if I can find something, and actually, I mean, is that are we within our confines here? If I if I start uh, if Reading I start whis- whispering filth down down to uh, to your listeners. Absolutely, this is definitely the show for that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can find a little taste. Find a devil on my shoulder. And I hear those words and I'm turning them over in my mind, trying to find a way to play with them. A devil on my shoulder, whispering filth in my ear, sliding his hand under my dress at a party, pinning me against the bathroom wall, his hand on my throat. You know that moment where everything is fine? We are sitting around with friends having drinks when people are discussing holidays. He is the shadow at the bar that sends a bolt of electric through me, but makes the hairs on my arms stand on end and my clit throb. When I curl up in bed at night and leave my window ajar and hear voices coming from the street below, it's dreams of him pinning me to my bed, his hand over my mouth, my legs spread, but wakes me in the night. He is my demon, my stalker of dreams, and even here standing in a shoe shop, bending over a skirt, fingertips short, bare underneath it, bending to try on impossible heels. It's him I imagine standing behind me, tearing my dress from me, exposing me, taking me right here, not caring who sees, not caring about my half-hearted protests. And I can feel how wet I am. And as I slide my foot into the shoe, knowing I'm exposing myself to the world, all I can think of is my devil taking me. The devil is on my shoulder, whispering in my ear, urging me to slide a finger deep inside myself to taste, imagining that I'm licking my juices from him. I have the devil on my shoulder and would sell my soul to feel him inside me. And so, yeah, we're kind of... That's fantastic. Lots of kind of little, just really tiny scenes and tiny moments. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good because there's not a lot of erotica like that. Mm. I mean, most of the sort of collection of shorts is, number one, really hit or miss. But they try, instead of it being the scene itself, they give you a bunch of boring backstory and then the scene only lasts like a paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I will read you just one more because I can't resist doing so because I I because obviously I've got to read something to do with Rome, right? Absolutely. Got to have on Rome. <laughs> so whatever you want. Tell me again, he asked her. You can do anything you want to me. She had fantasized and played, 
She'd read all the books and watched so much porn, and she was ready. She was not inexperienced, far from it. In her friends' group, she was the one with the stories. And yet, as the first rope went on, all tight, as he moved her body and claimed her, some of her confidence began to fade. Open your mouth, such a casual thing to say, and so I open my mouth, and he fits an O-gag, forcing my jaw painfully wide, rope after rope, my breasts pulled so tight. I've tried to time myself, but nothing like this. The force, the speed, I can hardly breathe, and now with the gag in place, drool, great rivers of drool cascading from my mouth. He tied over my clothes, and I said anything, so I can't complain when he roughly tears the material, when he exposes me, and suddenly it's not a game. He drags me to the floor, pulls up my short skirt, and pulls down my soaking knickers. Wow, you really are an excitable little bitch, aren't you? I bet right now anything would make you come. And I can't deny it, even if I wanted to, drool pools on the floor, and I can feel how wet I am. Let's put that to the test, shall we? And he whistles, and there's a bark. Good dog, I have a treat for you. <laughs> there we go. I love that. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Especially, I'm sorry. I know it's it's more about rope than pets, but there is fuck all in the way of pet play erotica that's any good. Mm. Like, I think I've read one that didn't really really suck. <laughs> mm. No, that's fantastic. Some of them just get the the line just a bit wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is the book called? Um, right now its working title is Words Go Walking. Um, when it's finally out, it will be um, listed on our website. I, uh, the website lists my other books. Um, who knows how long it will take before it's anywhere near complete. Uh, <laughs> I've been working on it for four days, and you've got what I would say is probably about a quarter of a book's worth already. I think it's probably not going to take you that long. By the way. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, um, I, I absolutely love it. So be sure and check that out. I will, when it comes out, I will have to score myself a copy and I'll let everyone know how it is, what it's like, if it's any good or not. But going from those two stories well I don't want to even call them stories I want to call them scenes because that yeah. is a yeah. scene you know yeah and that's that's really what that's I'm after I'm trying to just moments you know um, and I think I think we can try and get so descriptive in writing and some writers get so descriptive that there's no space left to put yourself into the scene yes Yes, <laughs> that that is that is a big problem because the point of any story is to insert yourself into it, mm. you know, and a lot of people don't give you that space. Not a lot of people, but it does happen. They don't give you that space. Um, so I think I, I think it was really effective. I quite like it. Definitely. Thank you. Um, so I do have a question. Mm that I would like to ask you. I received an email from an anonymous listener 
And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, he is, he hasn't interested in domination and in shibari, but he is a feminist and feels really guilty about it. Um, he writes, I'm, I'm a pretty insecure guy and frankly, a little repulsed with my own interest in light domination. I guess if there is white guilt, I have sort of a patriarchal guilt and having a hard time coming to terms with whether it's okay or not. I see Shibari as more elaborate and artistic than just handcuffs, but it's not something I'm completely okay with. I'm not even going to touch the roleplay slash kink that leaves me equally ashamed, though. Earlier in uh, his email, he alluded to having an interesting consensual non-consent and feels like a terrible person for it. Mm. Um, mostly it's a confidence thing. I get a thrill out of imagining being more powerful and desired more than I actually am, but it's all very confusing. Perhaps it's more consultative, but would you mind discussing male apprehension with Dom interests and how one can become easier with it? Absolutely. And there's, oh, a, there's a couple of things I want to kind of get into on it, um, if I can. Um, and I'm sure Cheshire points to jump in. Sure, and, um, you can. Okay. Um, so the first thing is one of the things which I think some people get really confused about with um, feminism is um, that feminism at its heart is about an equality of value and an equality of choice. And that isn't an equality of choice if you then limit those options. So if you say if you are a feminist, you must be out working full time. You can't be at home looking after kids. That's that's not choice. You've taken that away. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of women um, who, by choice, want to be at home looking after kids. Likewise, there are men who want to be home looking after kids. There are women who want to submit, and there are men who want to submit. The problem comes when you see when you have someone who says yes woman's place is to submit no some women choose to submit and that's what some women wish to have and the fact that that's something that excites you is absolutely fine as long as you're not treating women who don't wish to submit and don't want to be treated in that way in that way so i i don't think there's any conflict with feminism and bdsm at all absolutely agree with you on that i am a i'm a feminist i my you guys are friends with me on facebook I, I put political rants on there all the time um and if someone were to tell me no you have to just be in a vanilla relationship you are not a feminist if you are submissive well frankly go fuck yourself you know that's like telling me i can't be a mechanic i can't be the president i can't be whatever you know, because I'm a woman. No, because I'm a woman, I get to make that choice. Now, I don't know about you, Cheshire, being a female submissive as well, but I've had, I've tried to have vanilla relationships. Like, I have tried to do it, and it doesn't work because I need a different dynamic to make yeah. me happy. I think, you know? I think unconsciously I've always, I've always looked for maybe more of a stronger, um, confident figure um, to have in my life. Um, yeah, I mean, every partner I've ever had has been a dom, 
to or to, to maybe just not identified as um, and I think it, it kind of goes now it is a choice that I am actively making and consenting to and it all kind of goes back to this whole it all goes back to consent I think a lot of these issues all come back to consent I am consenting to be submissive I'm consenting to do whatever he says <laughs> um, consensual non-consensual the same thing you know and having no fancies and playing with those things are fine as long as there's that word in front of the non-consensual bit which is the word consent you know exactly. and that's okay uh, I want to talk a little bit about confidence because that is such a massive thing and it's something that um, I work really hard with when I'm teaching people to tie and some of the tutorials we've got um, talk through how to create dynamic and that's something that really matters. Now the fantasy for I'm going to use a ridiculous word, average, but the average submissive is someone who will just take control. And so, if you... Uh, don't forget, that, don't forget, they also have to be psychic and know exactly what we want doing to us. Yeah, we like that. And so that can feel really challenging if you don't naturally feel confident. And for me, rope is one of the best ways you can possibly do this and the reason why is because you can learn the ties so you can start off from a position where you learn a formula for a basic tie but you can learn a pattern and that you can practice delivering that with dynamic and for a lot of ties you're doing that while standing behind someone you can also do that with your partner blindfolded. Now, if your partner is blindfolded and you aren't speaking, they have no idea whether you are confident or not. That is a good point. <laughs> that is a really good point. You know, and what the person, um, I'm going to mispronounce his name, so I'll get you to pronounce his name for me. Uh, Sensei, why? Yakamura. Uh, Sensei Yakamura, who is kind of... He's, he's sadly passed, but he... Um, he's had a major influence on the rope world over the years. And, and he, us. And us. As, as, as a couple. As a couple and as riggers. And mm. um, one of the things he talked about, and one of the ways he operated, was he said that um, he would try and give enough space for the person he was tying to enter into their fantasy world. And the way I see what he did is someone who tries to fly a kite. And what they do is they they fling the kite in the air and they tug softly on the cord of the kite. And the kite sails up into the sky and is held up on the wind. And he doesn't control how hard, you know, he adjusts how high it goes. He adjusts, he makes the odd correction, of course, but he lets the person fly themselves. And in tying someone, what 
you're trying to do is let someone and give someone the space to enter into their fantasy world. And you don't have to completely direct that fantasy world. It doesn't, that experience is something that you're releasing that is internal to the person you are tying, as opposed to something which has to be imposed upon them. So actually, by being silent, by taking that um, slight step back, you can allow someone to have that experience and they can create the scene within their own mind. Um, so you, so the person you're tying, the person you're playing with can't see what's going on in your head. They can't see you going, right, have I got this rope in the right place? What's happening here? Oh, this is so messy. They're not looking at it, they're feeling it. Yeah. Um, so... I wouldn't panic too much about not feeling confident. I would learn a goate. Practice the, yeah, practice the, and the yeah, practice the individual steps of the tie. And as I said, I've got some video which talk through how you place the rope as opposed to just the fact that you put the rope around someone, this if a pattern goes on, but how you can place that rope to create a reaction with the person you're tying. And you'll find that pretty quickly, as your confidence grows in the tying that you're doing, you'll find that your confidence grows in the reaction that's given to you by your partner. And that's yes. something you then build on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So actually going back to our, our guy here, um, look in your partner's eyes, you know, you'll, you'll see the desire, you'll see the wants, you'll, you'll see that, that they're okay, that they, yeah. that they want it, that you can just go forward. And actually, we all go through this, and we were discussing kind of this a while ago, um, we all go through this anxiety when we join the scene of, is it okay? Am I? Am, is, is it okay? Can I do this? Is it, am I going to upset this person? Am I going to hurt them? Am I going to harm them? But it, it's okay. It really is. Just it will all it will all feel right in time. And Absolutely. does everyone else know what they're doing? And I don't. Am I? Am I a fraud? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a book called um, In the Flesh, which talks about how to be a dominant, and it includes a chapter actually on the conflict trick and, um, and that's probably worth him having a read of um, and there, there are ways in which we can find limits and find lines which can still be hot and where we can see the reaction so one of the classic ones um, I talk about is how we find out what words and what names people are happy for us to call them Mm. And yeah. there's a there's a really easy thing you can do that can create a hot scene with that. So And we're all different. Everyone yeah. you, you need to check Absolutely. with everyone. Everyone's so different. Mm. I mean for for me, cunt I, I it makes my skin I don't like it. Um a tramp, especially when we first got together, I was like, Why does he keep calling me tramp? That's horrible and then <laughs> he described to me what it actually meant to him and now I just find it really endearing and, and, and really loving and I, I love it now. Mm. Um and obviously so there are sweet. other when he says mine or there are other words that, you know, some people will find really offensive. Some oh. people will just 
be soaking. So um, exactly. So 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 let me give this guy a way to test words. So you sit with your partner and you look them in the eye, and what I want to hear is I want to hear a yes or a no. I'm going to say each word in turn, and that's what I want to hear from you: a yes or a no. Mine. Yes. <laughs> Bitch. Cunt. Slut. Slags. No. Whore. Occasionally. (laughs) Yes. And you play with those words and you see the reaction and when you get the reaction you want, you repeat it and you repeat it again and you repeat it again and you watch their eyes and you watch them melt and you watch them fall to their knees. <laughs> See, that's, I think it's so important, not only for people to know that scene, because that's absolutely hot, but um, a lot of people coming into the scene have this expectation of everything so elaborate. Everything is, it's 20 million miles of rope, chains, metal collars, fucking violet wands, whatever. Every single scene, every time is this big, huge thing. And with domination, dominance, they don't get a lot of credit for this, but every dominant has their own style. They have their own limits. They have ways that they like to play. So don't go in, like if you are coming into the BDSM scene, don't go into it expecting to be like other dominants Mm. expecting to like have to have all this crazy equipment and all this expensive stuff you don't need anything to be a good dominant but the right mentality and you can also like what you like and this is a really fun thing so first of all i I think the figures are something like 90 percent of people on the scene are switches so there are very few people who are pure dom or pure sub uh, there are some. Okay, only. Okay. Um, and some people go, oh, I'm a dom, but I like this and I can't because I'm a dom. If if you enjoy being a dom and you like being rogered up the ass with a strap on, that's okay. If you're a dom <laughs> and you like painting your nails, that's okay. If you're a dom and you like, you know, you can be who you want to be. You don't have to do it with someone else. And you can also, if you're doing it with the right person, you can play right at the level of taboo. I mean, I've played with someone who um, was... 99% a lesbian and what she wanted was she wanted lesbian shaming she wanted someone as part of a scene to be telling her all you need is a cock yeah you know you need to be <laughs> fucked straight girl you know um, I've played with people who are really strong feminists who want to be told you're just a dumb little whore and all you're there for is to be a set of holes I didn't know you guys played with me before. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, being who you are. Mm. Ma- making the dominant you're into you rather than being this stereotype. There really yeah. is no stereotype out there. You, you you feel like it when you come onto the scene. You feel mm. like you've got to, I don't know, a, wear a suit yeah. and you wear see, black you, and, you or see, wear leather trousers. Yeah. You and, see new couples on the scene and you can always pop them. They come into a month. Yeah. And um, 
there's, there's normally uh, is, and it normally happens with male female couples with a female submissive, and you get both obviously, but it normally happens with male female submissives, and you've got this guy in a suit, and he's trying to look as dominant as he possibly can, and the lad is wearing a collar which was bought by afternoon from the local pet shop, and. <laughs> He says to her, uh, oh, would you like a drink? And she goes, yes, sir. And he goes, oh, <laughs> um, yes, um, you get it. No, I will. Okay, yes. Yeah. Sit there. And he's, they're trying to put on this show because they think they need to look the part in front of everyone else. Mm, and they yeah. need to show how experienced they are. And you don't. Everyone's just trying to find their way. And, you know... If you go to your first month or your first event and just say, hey, we're doing. exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you, I, I am a new. We I'll wanted to learn. Ask you. Ask you. Um, am I allowed to shout out another podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Let me shout out another podcast for new people exploring the scene called uh, Proud to be Kinky. Fantastic podcast. I am a listener of Proud to be Kinky. Yeah, it's just a personal podcast. It's run by a couple of friends of ours who um, are on our local scene and who uh, came onto the scene through um, our rope group. Um, and they're fantastic people. And they give a really good guide to people first entering into the scene and what to expect. And what play parties are like and what fetish events are like and how to get on at a munch and what to put on your profile on fat life and that kind of stuff and it's a really good kind of way to dip your toes in and find out what's going on absolutely because i i can honestly say i've never been to an event or a munch ever where if i didn't know something or if i had questions people didn't drop everything and help you know uh, up in the community is really supportive we're, Absolutely. we're all just muddling around trying to find find ourselves within uh, ourselves within this this community absolutely I, I can say as a as a submissive i would feel more comfortable with a dominant that did ask questions that did mm. you know was open to learning yeah, than absolutely. someone that was just like, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm the expert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a turn off for me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> absolutely, it's a turn off. It's just like, nobody knows everything. Stop. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. True, true. Um, but um, yeah, thank you for all of the good advice. That was fantastic. And I do, listener, if you're out there, I do hope that this helps. And feel free if you have any questions if you have any if you just need to chat you can always email me um legionafterdark at gmail.com um i believe we're already friends on facebook so you can message me there if you like uh whatever whatever i can do to help out uh feel free to reach out because we all like you said cheshire earlier we all started somewhere Absolutely. Nobody, nobody was born with this knowledge. You just sort of explore and find your way. And we, you know? we still find things, yeah. don't we? But there are no experts. Right? No. And, yes. and, and I say that as someone who writes books on kink and teaches rope. <laughs> we are all learning, mm -hmm. and we are all learning with the person we are with. And that's the thing. You, um, 
you know, I occasionally, I, I used to get a lot of messages from people saying, how can I be a better submissive? How can I learn to be a submissive? Mm. And we wrote, we co-wrote a book out of the back of that called Learning to Kneel. And a lot of that is talking about finding out who you are and what you want and how to bring that into action. Because, um, you know, you, from a submissive point of view, you can have someone who goes, right, I'm going to learn to give the best blowjob anyone has ever had. And the person trains and they practice with toys and they get rid of their gag reflex and they're, you know, they're like, okay, I've got this down. And they find their their dom and their dom face fucks them and goes, okay, that was fun. And they're like, well, I'm used to people choking on my cock and I really enjoy that. <laughs> and, you know, and actually, what we all like is so individual, and yeah. that's the joy. The joy is finding just the right place someone likes to be kissed or bit, and find just the right word they like having whispered in their ear. It's there is no one size fits all. Exactly, exactly. It, it comes down to compatibility, and whatever kink you may have. There's someone out there that enjoys that, mm. you know. And there are there are ways. I know we talked a lot about partner, um, but there are ways that you can still learn certain ties mm. without a partner. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, yeah. Well, we're doing a whole series on self ties. Yeah, and also um, one of the easiest ways. Uh, I used to see a lot of videos of people trying to tie practice TKs on the uh, goates. Kind of chest harnesses on the back of a chair. The easiest way to do that is you put a jacket on the back of a chair, and then you've got arms and all the rest of it, and you can practice it. You know, you you can learn this stuff. Um, and most riggers, most people who tie, sit at home and practice single columns on their leg. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. I used to. I mean, that's when I first uh, started learning simple ties. I'm still not very good, but um, a few years back. That was how I started learning self ties and bow lines and things around my own ankles. Yeah, absolutely. Things like that to to try and learn. So you can learn to do it, especially if confidence is an issue mm. and you're worried about you know getting in the moment and being so nervous that you fuck it up. Just practice. Yeah. Practice on yourself. Practice on a jacket. I've heard people um, taking long sleeve shirts and stuffing them with like other clothes to make sort of a body to practice with and. Uh, there, there's always ways to learn and, and hone your skills. Yeah. A lot of the rope stuff actually becomes muscle memory eventually as well. Bowline, bowline is muscle memory. Um, you, you just automatically do it now. Um, and take, you know, it put, mm. the, put the time in. It will become muscle memory, and then you don't have to think about it. You can concentrate on all the sexy times. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the time, you don't need to get it right and that isn't a right and that's something True. which is you know <laughs> yeah. actually a lot of the hottest scenes I've had have been tying one knot to attach a rope and just wrapping rope not doing anything fancy other than actually just wrapping rope around someone it doesn't all have to be fancy patterns of the rest of it mm -hmm. yes if you're doing suspension then you need to get your frictions right and you need mm -hmm. but if what you're doing is rolling about with someone on the bedroom floor <laughs> it's really a far easier setup and you're yeah. you know absolutely um now about suspensions you know people are going to want to hear your thoughts mm. on suspensions um 
a lot of people. I, I actually, when I was testing my Skype recorder earlier, um, and I said I was interviewing uh, a rigger, and, and uh, they said, oh, what's that? And I said, oh, they do the rope suspensions and, and uh, shibari and things like that. And they're like, suspensions, like from hooks? And I was like, no, that's piercing suspensions. This is not, <laughs> this is not the same thing at all. This is, uh, you know. Built, yeah. Yeah. So um, would you mind expanding on that? Because I know there's a lot of people that think that, you know, I know we've talked about it before. You can't be suspended if you're chubby or if you're overweight. Oh, we, um, I'll take this one. Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people look at suspension as the holy grail of rope, um, and it doesn't need to be. It's accessible for everyone. I am not skinny. I am a size 16. I'm a lot heavier than when I started. Um, I started in the rope world as a kind of 10, 12, kind of at the height of my eating disorder. I was quite skinny. Um, and I could do less then than I do now and wow. as, a, as a bigger bunny I, I can cope more with certain things now than I could do then um, it is it is unfortunately something that you, you just can or can't do um, you can learn absolutely to tolerate more um, certain specific um, ways uh, more certain ties some ties will be more tolerable than others and you can learn how to make them more tolerated um, and absolutely you can go to the gym you can get stronger um, there's a very famous bunny who started in the rope scene as being um, fairly kind of average and um, then decided that she wanted to be an aerialist and now does the most crazy insane kind of foot by your ear kind of suspensions you know just absolutely nuts um amazing incredible kind of looking stuff but actually i think a lot of people looking at this stuff don't realize that actually it's really hard work and it's not that sexy it's not it's really hard you're constantly concentrating on what your body is doing you're going okay this limb is starting to go numb so i need to balance this onto the other shoulder if i if I move this arm here, then that will take some load off that one. That will just give that one a minute to get the blood back into that one. Then I can release that one. Okay, that one's okay now. I'm going to put some more weight on there so I can release the one off my knee. It's not that sexy. If we go, if we go back 20 years or even 30 years, most of the suspensions that were being done were people in static suspensions where you're able to space out into that. The endorphins kick in and you're able to just enjoy that sensation. And you're in a fixed position and suspended. And there's, there's some old movies of riggers, uh, Kitchidenu and stuff, where there's a jazz band playing in the background and someone is suspended and they're left there. <laughs> oh, God. <Yeah. laughs> now, sit there. <laughs> We've moved to a kind of a real transition focus. So kind of for performances, it's 20 minutes with eight transitions and people are doing a performance. And transitions can be a whole bunch of fun. I'm, I, I have a lot of fun with it and I enjoy it a lot. But I would say my hottest scenes are the scenes that are purely groundwork. Uh, yeah. And I would say that there are people, you know, people go, okay, going back to that, hey, how can I increase my strength? How can I increase what I'm capable of doing? 
I would say that there are people who've been bunnying for five, six, seven years um, who are being tied, really enjoy being tied, have been working on it. And then you can have a new person walk through the door and go up and do five times that stuff straight from the get go, mm -hmm. having never been at a gym in their life because that's yeah. just how their body works. Yeah, but, <laughs> has happened to me. Yep, yeah. and also different people are we'll capable of different things. So there's, there's some people <laughs> who can't stand a uh, goatee and particular types of tie their body job weight takes but can happily hang from their ankle upside down for half an hour. Yeah. You know, and actually, everyone's body works differently. And finding, you know, a you get your most out of rope by finding someone you connect with who wants to do the same type of tying as you want to and working out how your body works and what works for you. And it's not just about trying to replicate what someone else has done. It's okay, finding okay, out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's finding out what works for you. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's. I, I think a lot of people. When you are actually in a scene, it does not look like the the big crazy shibari photographs that you see mm. um, posted yeah, all over Fat Life. Few live streams of mm. of. Um, of suspensions haven't mm. we and they all go differently and we're, we're going to do more and it's quite fun um, we talk when we're doing live streams of suspensions we talk them through and we never pre-plan so I I never know what I'm going to tie before I do it and so what that means is that sometimes on the live stream you'll hear someone going yeah my nerves going on this arm and we're going okay how we're going to adjust this and etc mm. and I think it just gives people a better idea of what Broken like the reality. real world <laughs> looks like, as opposed to something which you practice this yeah. the sequence of mm -hmm. ties fourteen times so that you can do it on a stage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what people can see those live streams on your Instagram account yeah, and on, on your Instagram, website, and also on the on-demand Vimeo. Um, we're there's only a couple up there at present, but we're beginning to, when we do live streams, we're recording them and we're then putting those onto the Vimeo so people can watch them later. Oh, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I would like for you guys to come back uh, at some point for an actual movie episode, maybe. Um, okay. We'll see. Uh, being that you're guests, you obviously get to request this episode's song to scene to. So what would you like? Oh, I mean, it's such a common one, and it's so overused. But I'm still a big fan of "Sweet Dreams Are Made of This," and uh, absolutely the original version. Of course. Oh, I do like Cohen. I do like Cohen. <laughs> Which Cohen would you go for? What's? Oh, I mean, the really BDSM Cohen is yeah. "I'm Your Man." I'm your man. Absolutely, I'm your man. Yeah, you want you want Iron Love, Man? Yeah. All right. Well, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Here you are with this week's song to sing to. I'll be back in the next couple of weeks with an episode on the movie Cruising, and I will have a new fetish of the week for you. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. Bye.